Hey, welcome to the Life Church Green Bay podcast. It's our mission to lead the way in bringing the life giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time joining us, would you connect with us? We want to do life with you, and there are so many ways we can do that from wherever you are in the world. You can get connected with us and other Jesus people in one of our Facebook groups by joining us for an online service every Sunday or connecting with people through life groups and pocket churches. To learn how to get connected and find your pocket, please go to lifechurchgreenbay.com. Again, so glad you're here with us today. Here's this week's message. Hey friends, open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter two. If you're not in a place where you have access to a traditional Bible, you can open the version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures, they've already been uploaded. Of course, we'll also put the scriptures up on your screen. Wherever it is that you're watching us from, I love you. I'm so grateful that you are a part of our family. I was actually driving down the road today just thinking about you. And I may not know your individual face, but I want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. And we're so grateful that you're a part of the Life Church family. I wanna to talk to you today about another coincidental chronological alignment. I wanna continue talking to you about Paul's story, but particularly how it incorporates his friends Priscilla and Aquila in a message we're calling The Purpose. Let's pray. God, we love you, we're grateful to you. Thank you for who you are, for what you do. God, thank you for loving us before we ever loved you. Thank you for choosing us and for calling us. God, giving us a specific purpose. And so today, I pray for my friends who are watching this that you would activate that purpose, that our hearts and our minds would be changed and that our destinies would move forward. We lift you up today in Jesus' name, amen. So when we left off last week, Paul and his converts were sharing Jesus at the Isthmian Games, the Corinthian equivalent of the Olympics. And after 18 months in the city, having written and sent two letters to the believers back in Thessalonica, letters that we now refer to as the biblical books of First and Second Thessalonians, after having received military protection from a Roman governor and having proven that the message of Jesus could be spread in a major urban city, the next move was obvious for Paul. He would go to Ephesus a city declared by Emperor Pius as the first and greatest metropolis of Asia. Uh, but Paul felt he needed to go to Jerusalem first. So in March of 52 AD, he was ready to set sail. But this time, he wasn't traveling alone. He'd be accompanied by his friends Priscilla and Aquila. And I actually wanted to talk to you about this last week, but when I discovered how Paul's trial before the Roman governor Galileo happened in the first week of July, 51 AD, I just couldn't not talk to you about that. So it pushed this message where I wanted to talk to you about Priscilla and Aquila, but more specifically about Priscilla to this week. And, and I have this little group of pastors on our staff who I talk through these messages with while I'm writing them so that they could be a filter for me. They help me to add things to them, but probably more importantly, they help me to uh, take things away from them. And, and this past Tuesday, I did that. And the next day, uh, Wednesday, my friend, Pastor Scott, who leads our downtown Green Bay site, he sent me a link that said this past Wednesday, July the 8th, was the day of the year that the Catholic Church celebrates Priscilla and Aquila. And when I read that, I just thought, come on, man. Are you 
kidding me? That is so dope. I was redirected again, and that redirection made the writing of this message line up with a day that honors the person I wanted to talk about. Like, I love that. And I get it, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a Bible nerd. Maybe these little map markers don't jack you up like they do me. I mean, you could easily shrug something like Priscilla and Aquila Day off and, and say like, what does that matter to me? Or you can look at it like God is giving these little markers to remind you that he's always directing our paths. That the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in that person's way that he's interested in every little detail of your life, even the ones you're not. And just maybe there's something in this message that's specifically significant for you. Anyway, Priscilla and Aquila, these are Paul's friends who he'd not only met in Corinth, but who he'd worked with and lived with for the 18 months he'd been in the city. A couple who shortly before Paul's arrival had relocated to Corinth from Rome where they'd been part of a beautiful, organic group of Jesus followers. But even though they were believers in Jesus, prior to meeting Paul, they'd never thought of sharing their faith. They hadn't realized their true purpose. Now, they were living under the Greek-influenced view that Paul had been confronted by in Athens that suggested a person's beliefs were their own personal business. But in meeting Paul, they had their faith, their calling, their purpose activated. And in meeting them, Paul would not only meet some of the best friends he'd ever have, but the stories they'd tell him about the believers in Rome would fuel his hunger to go to the city and would later spark the writing of the letter we now call the Book of Romans, the most important letter ever written. And I think their story was particularly attractive to Paul because they hadn't moved to Corinth by choice. It had been a divine detour, something Paul was all too familiar with. They'd actually been forcefully relocated to Corinth when Emperor Claudius expelled all the Jews from Rome. And Aquila, he was required to leave because he was a Jew. But Priscilla, she was an interesting case study uh, because she wasn't required to leave because she wasn't Jewish. She was from Latian descent, not Laotian or Latino, Latian, as in a native Latin speaker of Latin descent. She was from what we now know as the nation of Italy. And she was a daughter of the Asili Glabriones family, the family with the longest pedigree of nobility in the late Roman Empire. Her name was actually Prissa. And to her family and the people in Rome, she would have been known as Lady Prissa. Uh, But she chose to be referred to as Priscilla, likely for humility's sake, because she held a higher social status than her husband, evidenced in the fact that of the six times they're mentioned in the scriptures, Priscilla is actually mentioned before Aquila in four of those occasions. So Lady Prissa, she was put out of Rome because of her husband because she married a Jew. She was put out because she was deemed guilty by association. But she willingly left her place of nobility, the place of honor, because of her love, because of who she chose to be connected to, which is probably why she connected so deeply to Jesus, who willingly left his place of nobility, his place of honor in heaven because of his love 
because of who he chose to be connected to, to us. I mean, come on, somebody. That ought to flip somebody's lid right there, that Jesus left the perfection of heaven. He left the glory of heaven so that he could come to a filthy, sinful earth, so that he could die a sinner's death for you and for me, so that we could be connected to him. Anyway, Priscilla and Aquila, they accompanied Paul to Ephesus on his way to Jerusalem. And when they arrived, Paul taught in the synagogue and it was so dynamic that he kind of adjusted his plans and he stayed and he taught in that synagogue for three months. And while he did that, Priscilla and Aquila, they started a house church where Priscilla regularly taught Jesus to the Gentiles and to the believers in the city. And she was such an effective leader and teacher that when Paul moved on to Jerusalem, he left her in charge of the Ephesian church. And and she served as the principal leader and the primary teacher, which can be somewhat confusing to some traditional Christians, particularly some traditional Christian men. Because throughout the years, many Christian men, particularly those who subscribe to what you call a reformed theology, have been falsely taught that women shouldn't lead or teach men. But the Bible is filled with women who lead and teach men, both in the Old Testament and in the New. And the source from which these teachers come up with this theology is actually a letter that Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy, where he says, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I don't permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. She must be silent. But when you understand the context, it's obvious that Paul wasn't talking about women never being able to teach. It That was never His intention, when Paul wrote those words to Timothy, it wasn't an overarching statement. It was actually addressing a particular group of people who weren't allowing women to be educated under the rabbi, but they were allowing women to get up in the church to teach in an effort to be relevant, in an effort to copy the New Testament church. The church we see patterned right here in the story of Priscilla. So how would Paul, knowing that he left Priscilla in charge to preach and teach, ever say in reference to that church that women can't teach? But by letting these women teach without being taught, these men that Paul is addressing were causing these women to unintentionally misrepresent scripture. And so what Paul was saying was, don't let them lead without letting them be educated. He was actually championing for women's rights. He was saying, let the women learn. In fact, he'd echo this thought in a second letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, when he said that we should study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth but a whole generation of godly female voices have been muzzled, have been silenced because we've taken something out of context. Which begs the question, what's been silencing your voice? Or whose voice have you been silencing? And so Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila, they come to Ephesus so she could realize the purpose for her life because it was a city that would have been uniquely open to women in authority or to female teachers. 
History suggests that it was founded in the third millennium BC by the Amazons, a race of female warriors who fought with the Trojans against the Spartans in the Trojan War, during which their queen was killed by Achilles. Uh, you know Wonder Woman? This is her, an Amazon. She was based on these warrior women that founded Ephesus. So from its genesis, Ephesus not only embraced powerful women, it actually worshiped them. It was the center of the worship of Artemis, the mother goddess, and was the home to the temple of Artemis, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So of all the people God could have sent, he chose Priscilla, but not just Priscilla. He chose Lady Prissa with her royal pedigree that would have given her clout among these people because of the position that she held within the Roman Empire of which this city was a part. He chose to use the things she hadn't previously thought to use, the things that she'd hid for humility's sake. And I wonder, what has God provided in your background that you may not have thought he could use, that, that maybe you've been hiding? And, and so Priscilla, she's left in charge of this fledgling church and she taught anyone who would listen and she was successful. So successful that out of the church they set up in their house, scores of other people started to set up churches in their homes so that they could reach their friends and their family with the message of Jesus so that they could bring Jesus to people who wouldn't go to a traditional religious service. And while these house churches continued to pop up, word spread to the Jewish community in Alexandria, Egypt. And one of their apostles, a man named Apollos, a, a highly educated expert teacher of the Old Testament who was also familiar with the teachings of John the Baptist, came to the city and started teaching in their synagogue. He was one of the greatest preachers in the world at that time, and his blend of the Old Testament and the teachings of John the Baptist were attractive. They were fresh, they were convincing, but they were incomplete. And when Priscilla heard him, she addressed him about his teachings and she lovingly corrected him. She took him aside and taught him about Jesus, what he did, what he said, and what he taught. And with that, Apollos adjusted the way he taught. He adjusted his teaching. And with that, Apollos went on to become one of the most effective soul winners in the world. In fact, the church at Ephesus sent him to Corinth to continue what Paul had started. And he preached in the church in Titus Justice House. He went from house church to house church teaching. And he powerfully refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scripture that Jesus is the Christ. And Paul would later write about him to the Corinthians when he said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And that watering by Apollos, it, it would never have been possible had Priscilla not stepped out in faith to correct him. Which when she did, it was significant because it wasn't just a woman correcting a man. It was a Gentile correcting a Jewish apostle. So in his writing in the book of Acts, Luke is revealing how Paul not only actively opposed the belief that only Jews could communicate the message of Jesus, he also opposed the belief that only men could. Paul taught that Gentiles and women could preach and teach the message of Jesus. And both of those truths, both of those dynamics were presented in the person of Priscilla. 
And in learning that truth, it makes me wonder what other truths we've been missing because of our biases. It makes me wonder how many people have disqualified themselves because of the words or the thoughts of other people uh, or because of a teaching or a tradition. Like what relationships haven't been forged? What degrees haven't been pursued? What businesses haven't been started? Like who's decided they couldn't follow Jesus because of their background or their record or their lineage? Couldn't follow Jesus because of the struggles or their addictions? Like who's decided that they, they couldn't step foot in a church because if they did, the roof would cave in? Well, hey, God didn't cause this pandemic, but maybe this shutdown is just for you. Maybe God loves you and wants to be in relationship with you so much that he decided. If you won't come to church, he'd lead us to bring the church to you. He'd have the church start popping up in houses and backyards, coffee shops, cigar lounges, and golf course clubhouses just for people like you. Because people like you, you've always been the purpose. Paul's purpose, Jesus' purpose, and Life Church purpose. And all of this truth makes me wonder two things. Number one, what assumptions have you made? Like what assumptions about yourself? What, a, what assumptions about others have you made? And number two, what limitations have you created because of those assumptions? What limitations have you been putting on yourself? What limitations have you been putting on others? Most importantly, what limitations have you been putting on God because of those bad assumptions? I mean, don't you think it's time to change your bad assumptions? Don't, don't you think it's time that you realize that Jesus loves you and really wants to be in a relationship with you? Don't you think it's time to recognize that he's interested in every little detail of your life, even the ones you're not? And isn't it time to realize that a relationship with Jesus is actually the purpose for your life? It isn't your job or your car, or your reputation, your 401k. It's not an economic stimulus package. The, the purpose of your life is that you would come into communion, that you would come into what's called communio, relationship with him, where he communicates with you, and you communicate with him, where, where he makes up for your shortcomings. Where, where like Priscilla, he, he has this divine destiny for your life that will only be realized, enabled and enacted when you embrace him. And so I wonder, will you recognize that today? That destiny, but more importantly, will you receive it today? Would you close your eyes today? You know, receiving your destiny, receiving that relationship with Jesus, that's what the church for generations has been calling salvation. It's kind of a word that you get lost in when you know it or that you use it a lot, but really, at its root, it is saving you, rescuing you, rescuing you from your sin, from your shame, from yourself. And so today, maybe you're one of those people who needs that. One of those people who knows that to use an old almost cliche statement, if you were to die today, would you spend eternity in heaven or in hell? 
If you don't know the answer to that, I would dare to say that scripture says it won't be heaven. And so today, if you know that you won't, or if you're unsure if you will, this response is for you. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give you opportunity to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And how we're gonna do that is I'm gonna pray a few words in a prayer. And, and then if you repeat those words and you mean them in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. You will begin a relationship with Jesus. So if you want that, will you just say these words? Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please change me. Come into my life. Make me different. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, friend, you have just been forgiven. Everything you've ever done wrong has been deleted. You get to start new. And we would love to help you with the journey from where you are to where God wants you to be, which is like Jesus. And so if you'll click on the link and you'll reach out to us and let us know that you're raising your hand to receive Jesus, we would love the opportunity to follow up with you. But that's not it. I wonder if you're here and you're like a Jesus guy or a Jesus girl, but you'd say, Sean, I've been making some assumptions that have been limiting me, whether they've been limiting how you view other people or limiting how you view yourself. If that's you, I wanna pray for you. And so God, today for my friends who have been putting limiting assumptions on their life, I pray you'd break those chains in Jesus' name, give them their destiny, reveal their future, expand their hope in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, I'm so grateful for you. I love you, that's not it. We do have some discussion questions that we would love for you to talk about in your group. If you're doing a pocket, I'm so excited about it. So many of them have being added every week and so many people are coming to Jesus. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. Did you know we have discussion questions for each message? You can download them and talk it over with your friends and family. Go to lifechurchgreenbay.com to download today.